time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Friday, January 29th, 2021. Doesn't Friday just feel different? Doesn't it, you know, just just say Friday and, and it sounds happy, right? Friday usually means high school football. It means the last work day for most people who do that Monday to Friday uh, work thing. I, I work Saturdays and I'm sure there's other people who have jobs they do over the weekend. But Friday is just, it's, it's almost hard to say without smiling. It's just, I don't know. It's a good, it's a good day. It's a good day indeed. So happy Friday to everyone. Um, I, you know what I can't believe is that uh, when Monday rolls around, it'll be a new month. I mean, I, I, I keep saying these things. I keep repeating myself. Happy Friday. Happy Monday. Hey, only a few days left in this month. That, but it is crazy that time is flying and, and it continues to move on us here. I can't, we just started this month. We just started this year, and all of a sudden, we're going to be into February uh, on Monday, February 1st. I can't believe it. Uh, anyway, uh, kind of bittersweet because that means the end of football as we know it for this uh, season, if you will. The Super Bowl is, uh, let's see, nine days away, a week from Sunday. Super Bowl 55 down in Tampa, Florida, between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Kansas City Chiefs. We will have plenty to say about that on our Monday episode. I will probably be joined by my brother Sam Hersema finally, as he and I kind of ramble about sports and other topics on Mondays. Uh, the past few weeks, it's just been me, so I know... You guys are probably uh, itching to hear somebody else than just me rambling away here. So we'll see what we can do. Uh, a few changes to the program. Few changes. Nothing too major. I talked about this on Wednesday a little bit towards the end, but in case you missed it, uh, I will be moving the Suds with Studs segment to Mondays. I think it fits a little bit better there where we talk about briefly some uh, heroes, police officers, firefighters, uh you know, uh, military members, uh, just people that inspire us, uh, some brave stories, a lot of medal of honor winners. We just have a, we honor someone. And, and if you guys have any, uh, any, um, any suggestions for people to talk about, they can be famous people, non-famous people, people, you know, people you don't know, maybe somebody, you know, that someone, uh, someone knows that, you know, or whatever the connection, it doesn't matter. Uh, if you think, uh, their story should be told or just honored briefly, again, five or 10 minutes to talk about somebody, let me know. Uh, and, and I can break those down and, and get those out on Monday. So I think that fits a little bit better with our Monday sports, uh, weekend, weekend wrap show that we do on Mondays. Yeah, so we're going to move that to there. Plus, it gives more time for our long form interview that we do with our Friday guests. We have a uh, you know random a new guest every Friday. That's kind of how this show started uh, during the lockdown. We were talking to people weekly, and and I probably should have spread those out a little bit more, but I had nothing else to do during the lockdown than to talk to people. So. Uh, we just do that on Fridays. Now you guys know, Bill Barnes, uh, my, my good buddy, he's here every Wednesday. And then of course we do a, a new guest on Fridays, uh, in a long form conversation. And those, those usually go at least an hour, if not an hour and a half. So I want to make sure that I'm not asking too much of the audience here and listening to 
two hour podcasts or whatever, you know, just an hour to hour and a half is, is a better fit. Uh, one other segment that I, I thought I would come up with uh, randomly, probably not do it weekly or, or whatever, but I want to do something in, in, in regards to, you know, we're, we're in this, we're in this cancel culture, right? Where you say, you say something that, that uh, offends someone or terrifies someone up, oh, cancel, cancel them, cancel them. Their, their lives ruined, ruined them forever. No, I, I'm not in favor of that by any means. I know some mistakes are made and things are said sometimes that uh, get taken out of context or whatever, but, but there are times now, this is me putting my umpire hat on, my umpire mask on. There are times when, when people cross the line and they need to be ejected. You know, uh, they need to be kicked out of the game, not kicked out of the league or out of, uh, you know, a band from playing ever again. But occasionally when, when people, uh, you know, say something stupid or do something stupid, hey, sorry, boom, you're out of here. You're done for the game. And it's nothing personal. It's just... Uh, we got standards. We got standards we got to live by. So I am going to come up with something that I'm going to try out this Monday where similar to our suds with studs where we honor a hero, uh, I want to eject someone from the game of, of, of life, not life itself, not say they're ruined, they're canceled because I already told you I don't believe in that stuff. You don't just cancel someone because they say something you don't like or, or whatever. So anyway, um, I do think though, there are times for ejections. You got to eject someone sometime and they'll come back the next day and play ball and it'll be a clean, clean slate. But if someone says something stupid, usually in the media, uh, that I don't like, or that I find, uh, just completely backwards, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it up on probably Mondays since it's our, uh, uh, the less least busiest least busy day we have on the podcast with our Monday, Wednesday, Friday format. And I'm going to talk about someone who I think needs to get ejected, ejected for a day, ejected for a game. And I have already somebody in mind that I'm going to tease right now. I'm going to tease it so that you guys will tune in on Mondays. And I, I have a feeling if I request you guys to, Hey, send me in, send me in, uh, uh, some suggestions. I bet you I get a much bigger listener audience participation in this segment than I do the suds with studs because uh, I'm sure people know some military members and police officers out there, but they just, they don't get around to, oh yeah, talking about this person. But if I kind of float the idea of, hey, why don't you guys tell me something you heard about someone in the media or an actor or just an everyday person, some, someone, some something someone posted on Twitter, whatever. And, uh, Hey, Hey, did you hear what this person said? I bet you, I get a little bit more, uh, participation from the crowd out there. And, and so that's kind of my thought. Trust me. I have no problem in finding out a few things about <laughs> not finding, uh, of, of discovering stupid things that are said out there. I mean, I listen to podcasts almost all day. I, I do some different uh, researches on, in the news and, social media here and there. So there's plenty of uh, people that um, I might eject for a day. They, hey, they got to go kick them out of the game. Just, it, it, it's call it a penalty box, call it whatever you want. It's just, hey, maybe we'll call it that penalty box. I don't know. That's not an ejection though. That's only like a two minute uh, minor penalty. Anyway, I, I want to stick with the ejection theme because again, it's not banning anyone for, from life or anything. It's just, Hey, uh, what you said, uh, I didn't like. I'm I'm kicking you out of the game for the day. Okay, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I already got some people in mind, uh, and this could be people I agree with too. This doesn't have to be. 
oh, just uh, people I, I despise. And yeah, they said this again, because there are times I'm sure we can all relate when somebody we love or, or really admire, they say something or do something. We're like, what are you doing? I mean, some of the podcasts and things I listen to, sure, 80% of the things I really like what I hear. But then there's a few things that they say or, or beliefs they have. I'm like, well, that's completely backwards and stupid. So maybe I eject them. I don't know. See what kind of mood I'm in. You know, referees and umpires, they get this like, they, they get this bad uh, rap. They, like everyone thinks they understand umpires and referee. Like, oh, I, oh they, they, they wanted to do that. They just wanted to eject that guy. They wanted to call it. How do you know what a referee or umpire wants to do? Anyway, I, I'm, I'm saying if, uh, if people are going to say umpires are trigger, trigger happy, uh, you know, and ejecting people, I'd say, well, if you're gonna if you're gonna call me that, why not? Let's eject some people. Let's eject some people for uh, for bad behavior. We'll say, and uh, it's just something. Don't don't. Oh, some of you guys, I'm sure, are just like, what are you talking about? But I don't care. This is my microphone, my show for now, and uh, yeah, that's that's something I'm gonna try out. So be sure to tune in on Monday for that. It won't just be me and my brother talking sports. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little fired up and uh, and eject somebody from uh, from the game of life for a day. That's that's just. Just what I'm thinking. I could be dead wrong and maybe it goes away, but whatever. Anyway, okay, let me talk about our guest today. We are going to be joined by Chris Horton, uh, or I should say you will hear Chris Horton because we've already uh, recorded this. Uh, Fun conversation with uh, Chris Horton. Uh, I knew him as Mr. Horton as my literature teacher back in my, let's see, junior year of high school. Uh, He was the director of the high school at Rio Hondo Prep. He was uh, or is now the senior pastor at the church, uh, Care Youth Church, that is the uh, the, the church affiliated with Care Youth League. It's all kind of under one uh, one umbrella, right? Like Rio and Care and all that. Um, he works with uh, the RHLA program, which is a college youth group type of ministry that is kind of training to become leaders, uh, full-time leaders and coaches in Care Youth League, and, and then develop uh, develop children there and, and bring them to the Word of God. So a great conversation ahead with, with Chris Horton today. I really hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did in talking with him. You know, he was a mentor to me. He, he really helped develop me into my uh, adulthood, we'll say. When I was in college, he was, he had just taken over the program and, and uh, I was on the other side of the interview quite often. He used to ask me all the questions. So today, or a few days ago, you're going to hear it today. Uh, I got to ask most of the questions and I got to tell you, it was, it was rather fun. I didn't, I, I, I kept it cordial. It was fun. You know, we, a lot of fun memories. And if, if you, if you know, Mr. Horton, uh, you know, kind of what you're getting into today. And for those of you who've never met the man, you'll get it right off the bat that he's full of energy. He's full of wit, some great one-liners. Uh, it definitely took me back to uh, my high school days in talking to him uh, and, and also my, my adult adulthood days, right? Uh, but he's doing great things. He's going to talk about uh, basically running Care Youth Church and, and taking, taking the keys really from uh, Francis Ostegard as he's since passed away, but kind of following in the footsteps of that great man and also the relationship with the church, First Mount Zion. Uh, way over in Dumfries, Virginia, the unique relationship that 
Care Youth League, Rondo Prep has with the the church that's three thousand miles away from them, and uh, you know what makes that relationship special. So some great conversations, some great topics with Chris Horton that you will hear today. And uh, we tried to keep we kept it all under an hour and a half, which is great. You know, it's just uh, hour fifteen with him, I think. And uh, just we could have talked longer. I'll tell you right now, I say that with a lot of guests. We could have kept going, but I said, you know what? Let's wrap this up so that we can keep our Friday audience, uh, uh, let them get to uh, other things they got to do and, and maybe leave them wanting more, leave them wanting more, right? That's always a, a good, good thing to do. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy this. I will say, uh, I've told him, I think on the air and I've told him before, but I do want to thank Mr. Horton for, for being a great leader. I'll say this. We did not always see eye to eye. We bashed heads a time or two, as I'm sure anyone who's uh, been coached or led by Mr. Horton, uh, has, has done, um, you know what it's, but, uh, but I knew that everything was all in, in love. All, everything was uh, with good intention and it's, it's like anything, it's like any family, it's like any, uh, relationship out there just because, you know, you, you care for someone doesn't mean there's not arguments or obstacles or whatever, you know, and, and that's just life. So anyway, Mr. Horton, thank you so much for all you did for me. You, you couldn't quite teach me how to hit a baseball. I, you tried. The Lord knows you tried. You tried everything. I just couldn't hit that baseball. I, I tried to get hit by the pitch and, and that I just said, you know what, I, I'm doing that. But uh, you helped me to become a much better catcher. Uh, back there when you were coaching me in varsity baseball, you alongside Greg Loomis, um, but just so many great memories. And um, you, you made baseball fun. Uh, you challenged me when I was a young man and then a young adult as well. You challenged me and you always made made things fun. And who can forget some of the, uh, the wiffle ball games uh, across Europe that I will let him tell you guys all about. There's just so many great memories. We're going to dive into it right now. Enough of me talking. But Mr. Horton, before we get to it, thank you so much really sincerely for your leadership and guidance over the years. And, and in growing up, it was a big part of my life and a lot of the lessons uh, I, I still carry with me today. All right, guys, I'll step aside, grab a sip of water. And uh, I think I'll listen to this one with you. I think it, uh, it was, it came out good. And I hope you guys enjoy my Friday conversation with Mr. Chris Horton. Okay, today we are joined by a very special guest. His name is Chris Horton. He's the president of Cary Youth League. He's also the senior pastor of Youth Church there in Cary Youth League. He's the director of RHLA, the college uh, youth program. There's too many titles to list here. He's my former high school teacher. He's my former baseball coach. Uh, just an all-around great guy. We're going to have some fun today. So much to talk about. Mr. Horton, welcome to the program. Oh, wow. What a privilege. I love it. All those titles, but what does he do? That's the great question that we got to find out. We asked that so many times from uh, so many different people. You hear fancy titles and you're like, okay, what does that mean? Right? So you're going to have, you got you to gotta answer for all these fancy titles, Mr. Horton. Oh yeah. Well, once it gets uncomfortable, I'll just start interviewing you. That'll take care of everything. <laughs> You know, you always had that uh, that verbal judo where you flip the script real quick. I don't know how you how you did that, but you managed to, whether it be in a, a classroom or uh, in, in an RHLA special meeting with Mr. Horton. You know what I mean? So uh, a lot of great things. Wow, verbal judo. That sounds violent, man. I'm not verbal a violent judo. man, even though I probably gave you a couple of whacks with a plastic bat at one time or another. But oh, yeah. I'm not a violent man. Not, not too often. No, no, no. You're, you're, 
you use humor as is your tool as your weapon of choice usually verbal judo that was actually a book written by i think a police officer that a lot of officials read because it it talked about conversations and not necessarily arguments but yeah like being able to function and coexist in a in a communication uh, that maybe would not go well <laughs> So anyway, verbal judo, good stuff. Uh, well, Mr. Horton, first things first, very important question. I see you with your, your coffee cup there. I know you've always been a, a big coffee guy, right? I got to ask you, oh, how, yeah. how do you take that coffee? Uh, black. Yes. Uh, black. Yes. It, first thing in the morning, it's got to be black. Otherwise, you're just diluting things and you're not being, you're just not being faithful to the coffee. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I think you're the first person I've uh, come across. But when uh, I, I, you know, we grow, Mr. Horton, as, as you told me one day I would, I'd grow up to be a, a, a young man or an old man now or whatever. And coffee's a big part of that now. Got to have it. And it's black all the time. That's right. That's right. All the time. Well, Mr. Horton, uh, a lot of people who listen to this have had you as a teacher, have had you as a, uh, a mentor, we'll say, and uh, RHLA and such. But uh, of all the things you do, I mean, is there a favorite like approach or, you know, do you like being a pastor more than you do in, in working with high school kids in the classroom? If you, is, is there a ranking system in all these different jobs you do? Oh, wow. That, that's a hard question. I would say I would more put it like I love being with people and whether I especially love being with young people. And that's why I enjoy the trips. I love teaching. Um, I look forward to my class. I still get to do one class every day and I look forward to it. I love being a pastor because I get to work with people. And um, so I guess my favorite thing is when I get to be in the trenches with people. My least favorite thing is when I'm in a meeting or when I'm doing just the uh, grudge work with nobody there. I, I do not enjoy that. Uh, I dread it. I put it off. I'm a procrastinator. But anything that uh, deals with people I love doing. I, I guess if I had to pick one job, it would be a pastor. I, I, I really fought it for over a year. I did not want to do it. Uh, it's one of those things where uh, probably people don't realize, but uh, being a pastor is a call and it's a special call from God. And uh, one man I really respect, uh, Sinclair Ferguson, a theologian. I heard him answer, a young man asked him once, he goes, how do you know if you're going to be a pastor? And Ferguson said, well, if you can do anything else, do it. And that was my experience. I tried to get out of it. I didn't want to do it. I dreaded it. I didn't see that I had the gifts for it. And finally, I gave in to God and I accepted it. I, I love serving as a pastor and I love serving God's people. So I, I guess if you're making me pick, uh, I'd, I'd probably have to pick being a pastor. Great stuff. Well, isn't it true, Mr. Horton, that uh, it was a similar situation for you as a teacher. You never saw yourself as being in the classroom. At least that's what I remember you telling us uh, in your younger days. You couldn't wait to be done with school. And then it was like, hey, wait a minute. You better get used to this classroom thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, when I was in school, I was counting the minutes till I got out. And then going to college was I really wasn't my plan at the beginning, but I was strongly encouraged at Rio. <laughs> Uh, strongly encouraged. So I did, but I was counting the minutes till I got out of that puppy. And uh, then the, if I'd have known when I was younger that I was going to be in a classroom all my life, I, I would have just, I would have hated life. So, and to be honest with you, some of my former teachers, I remember uh, going back to an open house with my fifth grade teacher and uh, 
I don't know if many people know, but Steve Martin, who is now Dr. Steve Martin, was with me. And I remember our teacher asked uh, Steve Martin, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I have my doctorate. I'm, I'm an you know, audio engineer. And she goes, oh, of course, of course. And then she looked at me because she remembered me. She goes, so Chris, what are you doing? And I said, I'm a teacher. And she, I don't remember her exact words, but it was kind of could be interpreted as, oh, no. Oh, please, no. Because uh, I was not the, the greatest of students. I, uh, I remember asking my mom about this. Uh, I, I happened to find one of my old report cards when I was in sixth grade. I had a lot of Ds. And I got a D in art. I go, I go, mom, I, I remember I got a D in art because I couldn't cut. And I remember throwing the scissors up against the wall and putting a thing in the wall. And I remember I asked my mom, I go, mom, weren't you worried? I was like a flunk out. I go, weren't you scared? She goes, no. She goes, you just had other interests. You really like sports. And uh, I go, what kind of mom are you? I mean, where did you come from? I mean, if it was one of my kids, I'd have been, you know, bouncing off the wall. But I didn't, I didn't even remember how bad I was till I saw the report card. Oh boy. Well, uh, first of all, the term strongly encouraged, that sounds a lot <laughs> like you and some of your uh, assistance with young men and, and among different topics and subjects, uh, strongly encouraged. So that's pretty funny. And then, yeah, your mom, I mean, you and Phil growing up, that had to just be a chore for her. You said you're six years older than him. He was on the program a while ago. You and you and Phil Horton growing up together. What was that like? Oh, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. I, I was not very nice to him. I can just say it. Um, but we were both highly competitive. When he got older, uh, we had some epic games. We'd play wiffle ball in the backyard, one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. We had 100 rules. And you, you, I don't know how you can imagine just one guy playing, but we had rules. We actually, and this is once again how great my mom was. Because we, we came from care, everything had to be marked out. So we used her tide to make batter's boxes and first base and third base line, right? And I remember one day she's watering the yard and she goes, why is my yard bubbling? I mean, what is going on? We didn't tell her, but that was part of the thing, you know? And then we used to, we had a basement um, and we had a ping pong table down there and we had these epic games. And basically the rule was whoever won, um, you always had to duck because the minute you won, the paddle was coming from across the way at your head. And that was just kind of, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, we were competitive and we, uh, some of my fondest memories was just competing against my brother. Oh, as long so as I, I won. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you, I think it's in the Horton blood, uh, the Horton comp competitiveness. I mean, that is something that, that you always, uh, you know, preached to us. And then of course, you know, went, didn't matter what it was. It could be who who did the field faster, who who uh, Monopoly games till three in the morning at Mount Carey. It didn't matter. You had to win. Winning was everything. Uh, so when you and Phil were kids, at what point did you guys uh, find or discover this uh, this area or this uh, piece of land that was known now as Carey Youth League and maybe Boys Christian League at the time? Oh, so I was. Uh, that's that's a great question. I wanted to play baseball from the very beginning, Matt. So. When I was in third grade, um, I guess maybe it was the kids at my school at Gidley. I went to Gidley, which is a pretty rough school. And I'll throw in Ken Drain under the bus. He went to that school as well. And you can see that we've been marked for life by that. <laughs> but I probably noticed a lot of kids had uh, their little league hats on. So I wanted to play baseball. So I told my mom, I want to play. And I remember she took me to Live Oak Park and was signing me up. And they wouldn't let me sign up because my birthday, I had a late birthday. And I was too young, even though I was in the right grade. And I was, you know, I, it was the Horton way. My mom's the same way. She, she was a never say die. I'm going to find this, a, this kid a way in. 
she probably tried to get a forged birth certificate or something somewhere along the line, but couldn't get it. But uh, she found out about BCL, which is care. And uh, one of the guys in my class, his mom, uh, his name was Larry Woodford. His mom talked to my mom and I got picked up in third grade and played baseball. I funny, I, I don't know how many people remember their very first experience. I remember very clearly my first at bat standing with a bat in my hand on what is now field three at care. And uh, I wasn't going to swing. You couldn't have made me swing for all the money in the world. I just stood there. And for some reason, the guy walked me, which is that's really bad baseball right there. That third grader should have put one over because I wouldn't have swung. And then I remember getting to first. And I remember thinking, I have no idea what I do next. I have no idea. And uh, some guy was over there and said, run. And he said the second. And I guess it was the one in the middle. And I just have this very clear memory of being terrified. And then from then on, loving it. Oh, it's spectacular. So do you think you had this love of baseball because it, it was the first sport you started or just cause was, was baseball just always your thing? Uh, I think it was just what I saw and it was what the kids were playing. Like the kids had little league ha- hats on at school. Mm. They weren't carrying helmets around. Right. And then at Live Oak Park was close to the house. I used to go every evening and play baseball with the kids there. We weren't, you know, football just wasn't played. We were playing baseball. So it's kind of what I grew up with. It's so funny because I I was almost the exact opposite where I had played little league baseball for two years. And then at school, I started to see a kid carry his football gear. And I was like, I want to play tackle football. And that's what kind of drew me in. Uh, So, and that brings up a subject, Mr. Hort. I've always, you and I have always kind of, you know, gone at each other playfully and everything about how, uh, let's say you don't like football as much as say baseball. And, and maybe that was because you were a smaller guy in high school and got, got beat up a little bit or what, what's the story there? Okay. Okay, good. So, you know, I like to push people's buttons too. football people are fanatics, right? So <laughs> I love watching people get mad when I say, Oh, football's lame. No one wants, I'm special at Rio Hondo. Don't you want to, you know, I love a little controversy. So at this school, you know, everyone, you know, it's a, I've told people this is kind of a football school, right? But I love pushing the buttons. But yeah, you hit on the nose when I was younger, uh, even through high school, I was always small. So football for me was basically just punishment. Uh, When I grew after I graduated from high school, when I I think when I was a senior, I I was like uh, five, 10, and I think I weighed 130. And I, so I just got out there and I got beat up. I had Mr. Bray put up those old videos, right? Robert Bray. I was looking at one of our games and I'm like, why are they, I'm just watching me in the video. I'm just getting killed out there. I mean, they're just beating me up. I'm like, why are they leaving me in there? I mean, <laughs> I got to ask coach dad what was going on. I think he was maybe mad at me and wanted me to be punished. So for me, football was basically just suffering. I will give this much about it though. I probably learned one of my most valuable lessons in that, in that I would never would have played football at any other school, but because it was part of being a team, and because we didn't have that many guys and because I was faithful to the guys in my group, okay, I'm going out there. I'm going to do my best. Yeah. I'm just getting beat up, but you know what? It's not about me. And it was a really great lesson uh, for me growing up. So yeah, if I was in another school, I'd probably just play basketball and baseball and it'd been all about myself and what I like, <laughs> but it was good for me to do something that I, I won't say I absolutely hated it, but it was pretty close, but it was a good lesson. <laughs> Good lesson. No, great lesson there. And kind of, we all have to kind of do things we don't want to do and we're doing it for others. Great stuff. You guys now, correct me if I'm wrong. You guys played in the first CIF championship football game in real history. Was that the first one? Yes, we did. Uh, it was six man and we played against brethren 
And uh, it was, I remember being on the radio and it was wow. Dave and Goliath. And of course, when you're in high school, everything's so much bigger. And we got out there and we had, if I remember right, we had tied them during the regular season. But we really felt we'd win because when we tied him, uh, Steve Martin, once again, Dr. Martin, he was our tailback and he was good. And uh, he didn't play the whole game. I had to play tailback. So we're at a definite disadvantage and we still uh -oh. tied him. So we figured when we had him, we we're going to roll over him. And uh, we actually scored more touchdowns, but missed the extra points and ended up losing. And one footnote that I'm a little ashamed of, but it was part of the Rio Hondo way. Uh, after the game, you know, they give out trophies. So we went in the locker room. We wouldn't come out. And uh, I don't know if Mr. Dowd accepted the trophy or what happened, but we were not very sportsmanlike. Uh, <laughs> and I look back at it and we should have done better, but we were competitors and mm -hmm. felt, actually felt somewhat ashamed that we did not win. And that was part of the time. I think it was part of the era, right? Uh, I remember coming down the next morning because of the real Honda way we played a late night championship game. And the next morning was Saturday morning work at 7 a.m. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after football, it didn't matter. And I remember coming down and not wanting to see anybody because I just felt like, wow, we didn't win. And I, did, I didn't feel like I played very well. So it was kind of tough, but it's one of those life lessons. You get through that. And, you know, those harder things after that, even harder. I could not believe there'd be anything harder than losing a football championship. Yeah. But believe it or not, there were some harder things in life after that, right? Oh, that's... And it was, once oh. again, a good... It was okay. It was a good experience. Yeah, that's so well said. I mean, at, you put so much into something, and yeah, you do feel it's the end of the world. And, and then it's like, oh, no, the life kind of moves on. and Get ready. There's a lot more coming at you. Uh, yeah, scoring more touchdowns than the team that beat you. That, 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 definitely, uh, that definitely hurts. <laughs> I mean, every time I hear that stat, I'm like, how is that possible? I start doing math, and that's a bad thing. Uh, but anyway... Uh, crazy stuff. Well, so Mr. Horton, well, baseball, how, how were, I mean, honestly talking about yourself here, but how were you as a baseball player uh, in high school since that was your favorite sport? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm probably not a good judge of it. I had some really great opportunities. I got, I got to play uh, on varsity when I was a freshman, which was kind of unheard of at the time. And I have a distinction. I don't know. Most people don't believe my stories. Like I, I think my, these stories are true. Like I think I have the record, and Mark won't put it in the lineup. I think I have the longest completed pass in Rio Hondo history for the least amount of net yards because I would never, I didn't want to get tackled. So I kept running back till I hit the back of my end zone. Then I threw it as hard as I could. I, I, and I had a pretty good arm, right? And uh, I think we gained like two yards on the play or something. I, I don't know why that's not in the record book. And then uh, when I was a freshman, I played second base and I was a pretty decent fielder I because yeah. I played a lot of baseball. Uh, hitting, I don't know how well I did, but I remember uh, at the end of the year, I was all saying Gabriel Valley second baseman and uh, as a freshman, right? And I couldn't figure out how it happened. And I don't, like I said, I don't know what my batting average was, but I heard, at least from the seniors on the team, they said, well, uh, the, the Star News guy or whoever the paper was that did it, he came to one of our games. I made the biggest Easter bunny back and deep in the gap catch throw to first ever. <laughs> and the guy wrote my name down and, it all, and then I became all Sangerville Valley second baseman. So, Hey, one play. And then uh, like I say four years of baseball and I always wanted to pitch, but I, my, my, I really didn't mature enough to pitch till I was like a junior. And then my senior year, um, I was the only pitcher on the team, which is back in those <laughs> days, you didn't have a limit on innings or anything. <laughs> 
And uh, so, hey, we played a lot of preseason games. Our team was like, uh, we were 10 and 0. And then our first league game, we played Brethren and we won one to nothing. And I was, I was pitching up a storm, right? I was great. And then the arm went. And then uh, I was the only pitcher on the team, right? So, you know, the Rio Hondo way, you just suck it up. Right. So uh, I learned to throw a lot of junk and uh, didn't go that well after that. But I did love <laughs> pitching. I loved having the ball in my hand. I loved the pressure that went with it. I loved kind of, uh, I love the challenge between you and the batter. I remember, you know, sometimes I get really mad. Uh, some things like if a guy would just start fouling them off, this is old baseball, right? I don't think that we should do the same more, but a guy would just keep fouling them off and my arm was hurting, right? I'm going to either hit the ball or get out of there, right? Do something. And finally, I just throw it at the guy. I go, I'm done with you. I'm so done, you know? Um, but it was always a challenge for me and the batter, which I just, I love the challenge. Uh, you, you, okay. Take this for, for, Take this for what you want. You sound everything you just said. You sounded like my good teammate Bill Ritter. Everything you did as a pitcher. I mean, uh, he would he would anger me as a catcher because he he would eventually lose it and just drill somebody. And then also yep. the arm falling off. The remember the skunk rub he was putting on yep. ice before the game. And Coach Horton called it. We got the no skunk rub today. Skunk rub because has that odor. The things you remember, I tell you. Oh, that's so funny. So, oh, Bill was a lot of fun. Oh, oh. Bill was, I, do you remember the time at Webb where uh, we were doing infield? Mr. Loomis used to hit the ball like line drive shots just to see if you were awake, and he hit Bill in the nose, and he was bleeding like most of the game. Oh yeah, but, no, he. Oh man, he, there has some good memories out there. He, as as only Bill Ritter would do. He he missed he missed one. It went between his legs, right? And so the very <laughs> next one, Bill, ultra competitive. I'm not making the same mistake twice. He, he, he's down, he's going to stay down and the ball hit a rock and just right into his <laughs> nose and broke his nose. He was supposed to pitch, I think that game or play. I was usually DH'd for, I ended, I ended up hitting that game and uh, wouldn't you know it, I had myself a triple. I had to hit it really far to do that, but uh, I only had like four hits in high school. So I remember, you know, the few I had, but yeah, that day Bill broke his nose and uh, oh man, crazy stuff. Uh, no, it was you getting a triple, man. It was so worth it then. Wow. All right. When I got Don't to third, sacrifice. yeah. When I got to third base, you looked at me, you had this shocked look on your face. Not only that <laughs> I hit it, but that I got to third and you just, all I, it's like it was yesterday. You just, you kind of gave me the fist bump and you just said, nice shot. And I was like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. So the funny, the funny memories. Uh, so, so after high school, graduate high school, did you kind of know, right away you were gonna you were gonna stick around care youth league did you have other thoughts about maybe pursuing other things or was it kind of set in stone uh this is where you were meant to be oh man these are great questions matt so yeah i things are not in high school are never that clear even for me i when i was going through high school my dream was to go to the air force academy i loved everything about jets and planes and um i had some things in the works to go to the air force academy um Looking back on it and knowing what I know about high school people now and knowing about myself, I think that'd have been a disaster. I don't think I'd have been very good at it, um, but I love planes. And then, but I also love working with kids and I love coaching and I love sports, right? And it came down to it where uh, I, and I really felt God pushing me to uh, share uh, his truth and the salvation message with kids. And I love doing that. And so then it was off to RHLA. It was, uh, it was never clear. Uh, 
I just made the decision and that's the direction I went. It, it wasn't like a shiny moment or something, but uh, kind of went with what I loved. And if you could, for, for those who don't know, you know, RHLA, Real Hondo Leadership Academy, if you could kind of sum it up in, in how RHLA came to, came to be really, uh, as far as a college youth group, basically, um, if you could kind of sum it up for those non-Care Youth League people out there, um, I always just describe it as the college, college youth group training you to be a leader, basically, in the program. Um, but was it always kind of that way or was it always, or, or, you know, the, the official term and everything, or was there, was there, uh, I don't know, another, Oh, what's that? There you are. You're here. <laughs> no, I had a phone call come in. Sorry, Matt. Oh, no worries. You, you're an important guy. Oh, pfft, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're only like halfway through your, uh, all your titles. Uh, so no, uh, as far as RHLA, like it's, it, the program itself has that always been around carry league and, and then if you could kind of sum it up for those that don't don't really know uh have an affiliation to carry League, what rhla is well rhla was around even before me which makes it really old right so uh guys were in rhla when i was in junior high and they coached me um it's always been a college volunteer program it, it when it's it when it began it really was um for real Hondo students who wanted to continue in the program, that was the next step. Uh, they would go to a college, but they could still volunteer their time in coaching and helping to care youth league. Uh, since then, we've opened it up a little bit more. It's open to any college student. Uh, they need to have a, you know, a true uh, salvation experience. But uh, we do have some people who didn't come to Rio Hondo in RHLA now mm-hmm. and uh, want to be a part of that program. Um, but it's been around for a, a long time and it's more, uh, once again, you went through care or you went through Rio Hondo and you want to give back, uh, what someone gave you. I, I remember it was very clear to me when I was in junior high, I had, uh, uh, Jay Lambers who was in here a little earlier was one of my coaches. He actually got drafted and went to Germany, uh, when he was my coach, but I remember the college guys and being a junior high uh, kid out there, they meant a lot. It was mm-hmm. very, uh, meant a lot to my life and uh, did a lot for me being under that program. So it's kind of continued since then and uh, continues to stay. I hope it will keep going. RHLA, we thought about changing the name, Matt, to be honest. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a little bit, but we haven't found a name that fits yet. I'll put <laughs> that out there for anybody in RHLA has a good name that would really fit. Uh, we've had all kinds of ideas, but Still called RHLA. Well, we're kind of in that age, Mr. Horton, where, you know, you got to change everything. You got to change all these names and everything for, because. (laughs) Interest aside, it's really an important thing. So even in college, so many kids, I'm going to college now. I'm just living for my degree, living for my job. Well, it's great that I want to give and live for, uh, for something else a little bit bigger than me. It's, it's very much needed uh, today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that, Real Hondo Prep has always done a great job of, as well as, you know, RHLA is, you know, in working with young men and women and showing them that it's not all about them. And you got to always carry yourself like uh, someone else is, is watching because there is someone always watching. And a lot of times it's the, the kids that you coach, because we all have those memories, as you just mentioned, when you're a kid is looking up. Yeah, your leader's cool, but man, those those high school and college age kids, they, you want to be them, right? Because every, yeah. the older people are like, eh, that's a long ways away. So anyway, well, well, that's awesome. And and then, so you're in RHLA. I mean, did you ever think at one point 
that you would then be in charge of, of college people in charge of RHLA? Oh, no way. No way. I, I wasn't the RHLA shining star either. I kept up the, you know, how all through my life in any group, I was never the shining star. So uh, I don't think anyone, including myself, would have ever thought I should be in charge of RHLA because that would be a disaster. Um, yeah, I never expected it. I, for me, I just, I say I love coaching and I love being in the trenches. And then once I started teaching, I really enjoyed that. But being in charge of RHLA or uh, doing what I'm doing now, I never would have dreamed uh, that would be a, a final outcome for me. Thank goodness it was a mystery because I would have given up before I started. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny that kind of a running theme here, a constant theme with, with uh, your life, Mr. Horton, is uh, you ended up doing things you never thought you would do or be asked to do. And I think for a lot of people, that's the case, you know, whatever you end up in. Uh, it's just how life works and kind of the direction God sends you at times. Right. Um, well, let me see. So you college, you get into teaching and how in the world do you then become in charge of the high school? You were the director, the high school director, <laughs> I guess is the term. And you did that for quite some time before the whole RHLA thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I did. That's a great question. I don't even know how to answer that, Matt. Why in the world did it make me high school director? I do not know. <laughs> um, once again, I, I was enjoying coaching. So my first reaction, as usual, was like, I really don't want to do this. I'd rather just coach more. Mm -hmm. But uh, I did enjoy being high school director. I, uh, I loved going up to the camps. I liked running the meetings. And with your group, uh, there, I have so many great memories of uh, different things we did and activities as a high school. So I, I enjoyed doing the high school director. And it's funny, uh, I was remembering the baseball thing because I, was, I didn't coach varsity baseball. I was the high school director. I can't say who the coach was, but the uh, one year the team was so bad and uh, they lost the web. And he said to me in no uncertain terms, I can't say who his name was. He said, I am not coaching those guys next year. I quit. And I couldn't get anybody to take his place. So I ended up coaching varsity baseball the next year because I was high school director and I couldn't find anybody and uh but hey I love baseball so it wasn't that, that hard of a sell no you know what it would kind of talking about coaching for a second you I remember okay so I was junior high and and so I remember you were always out at like football practice with the guys older than us a few years older than us you you just kind of sit on the bench there and you're in your tie your teacher outfit and you're wa <laughs> watching the guys conditioning and you cheer them on then in basketball, you would you would coach the uh, freshman <laughs> reserve team, which is guys that, as you said, were always playing ping pong with the uh, basketball off the backboard. Yep. And then you oh, ended yeah. up being the varsity baseball coach. Right, right. So, yeah, once I became that high school director position, I just basically filled in, right? I was mm -hmm. just filling in holes. And, yeah, that one group was uh, basically our international students, right? And yeah. They had to have something to do, and then I would – I have to admit, I would laugh so hard, I would be in tears, you know, and uh, they would give their best shot at it. But wow, it was, you're right. It was just like, uh, man, if we ever scored, it was a highlight. We have to call timeout and have a little celebration over there on the bench. You, know? <laughs> you always made it fun, Mr. Horton, no matter what. And uh, But I will tell you, as a baseball coach, we enjoyed playing for you because you had all kinds of weird drills and stuff you and you and mr loomis together was kind of a, a dangerous scary thought you should never have two literature teachers as your baseball coaches let me tell you uh, it's just uh, and some of the drills and stuff you do but and you're a very 
fun person smiles a lot, but I'll tell you this, when, when you were upset or, or you, you had to get a message or a point across, there's a different face and a different tone that you bring. And as a catcher, I, I felt that quite a bit from you <laughs> from either pitches I called or, or whatever. Uh, so yeah, just, you have the game face. What, Matt? You were you were like my favorite catcher. I just come on. Oh I mean, I wow! Never, I never had to give you the face. Give me a break. In no way. <laughs> I always felt good with you back there. It's funny because you're you're such a great example of a like the real Hondo kid. I mean, okay, let's be honest. You weren't super talented, but you would give everything you had back there, and there's nothing that you wouldn't sacrifice uh, to do a good job back there. I. Okay, so I, I'm going to go off topic, which is, but Let's do it. My, one of my favorite memories was you in basketball. And I, that was back in the pavilion with the floor that had the nails that continually popped up. And <laughs> I was high school director. I'd hire two students to sweep the floor, wet mop the floor every day. But when you were on, when you played basketball, we didn't have to do the floor every day because whenever you played, you were on the floor most of the time. I mean, you were all over the floor. I mean, your jersey was basically and it was kind of damp so it's like a wet mop yeah you used to slide all over that thing you're on the ground and then i would think about those nails i don't know how you survived oh but i, I love the way you went out there and it, you know you i i'm just saying if you ever thought i gave you the uh the mean face i can't even imagine it because you always gave everything you had <laughs> usually the mean face was reserved for the guy who thought he was good or was talented and they need a little bit of a kick you know yeah no i appreciate that yeah basketball i always said ba- uh, football was a lot safer because we had pads on, right? We had gear. Uh, <laughs> basketball, that the floor was hard, and you never know what was going to stick up out of it. Uh, I had a great time playing basketball, and I had some great teammates. And I was like, "Well, he can score. He's good at this. He's good at that. I guess I got to do. The, I got to be the guy that uh, cleans the floor." So, hey, we all have our roles. You were the Kurt Rambus. I love that you were, yeah. you were great out there. Goggles and everything until I got <laughs> contacts. Absolutely, I appreciate it. No, I mean. Uh, Man, it's the things that pop in your head. Power meetings. I remember power meet. Hey, we got Mr. Horton, roll up the sleeves. We have a, <laughs> a power club meeting today. I'm like, oh, who who messed up? Who did something stupid? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I still do that in our play, man. I roll up my sleeves, you know, and then the kids they all get real. Fun. It's a lot of fun. It's, at least you get ready for it, right? So we all know this is going to be bad. Let's get it over with, you know. Yeah, that's kind of funny. You have like this personality of like an actor, I think. Like you're able to put on many different hats and many different roles. You're happy most of the time, but you can be serious. And uh, I don't know. It's funny sitting here having a conversation with you and laughing. And it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, you're also the the pastor of the church. Like it's just you've always had a very um, easygoing attitude with people, which I'm, I'm sure is helpful in your current line of work. Oh, I, I, well, I think it's more like, um, it's like you, you meet people who are genuine and you can tell when people really enjoy being with you. I mean, they really enjoy the time, right? I, uh, I uh, have a privilege I get on Wednesday. Uh, it's, I get the golf with Robert Bray and Ken Drain, right? And I, Robert Bray, um, he is genuine and I love being with the man. He is just genuine. He's easygoing, but you can tell uh, he, he just enjoys being out there. He's my golf coach because uh, I've only played a couple of years and I'm really awful. And he's really good and uh, he's, he knows everything about golf, right? But he's so patient. And even though I'm a total failure, he never like gives up on me, right? But he just enjoys 
like uh, we share the cart, right? He drives the car. I just enjoy the time out there with him. So I think it's like when someone's genuine and they enjoy being with you, it, kids know it. They're going to know it. They figure it out. And I think that's part of it. Oh, definitely. Uh, as far as life in the class, I mean, a couple of things I remember about your class in, in high school. Uh, number one, it was like, okay, how am I going to get through this? Mr. Yeah. To kill a mockingbird. You had me read that book. And I was just, I was a terrible reader. I was like, what is going on in this book? I don't know how I'm going to get through this. All these quizzes you have. Uh, but one thing, I don't know if you still do it. You had like students do, you had to do extra credit in your class to get an A or to get a B. And you remember that? I mean, you were like, if you want to do the minimum in this class, you can do it and get a C. I'm like, I always want to do the minimum, but do well at the minimum. <laughs> I had to do extra to get a B because if I had brought home a C on the report card, uh, Mr. Hersma would have not been happy. <laughs> oh, you had a good day. Your dad was the best, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's the best. Don't get me started on your dad. I oh. love watching your dad. I, I miss him out there. Yeah, we need more Mr. Hersma's in the stands. Let me just say it. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, Oh yeah, so I still do that. Um, yeah, I do the extra credit, and uh, for my now because I have the AP. So if you don't do extra credit, your grade actually goes down, uh, and you can do two of them. And uh, I always want to see the kids who want to give an effort. It's always a good thing just to look at. It's like a test. And so right now, this class, uh, yeah, they can do extra credit and raise their grade an A or raise their grade one grade. Um, there's three different things you can do for extra credit. And it's funny, um, yeah, on the online thing, none of the kids did it because uh, it's online. It's more the personal challenge, right? I can't be in their face, right? Yep. Uh, there's something about these airways where the, the look of death doesn't work, right? So uh, we still do it. And uh, I'm going to find a way to get them to do it second semester because some of them need to push themselves a little more. I, one thing I had them do, Matt, which might be interesting for you is uh, – during the Wall Street Journal, and there's an article about a group of kids in New Jersey, and the teacher had them write uh, just their experience during the pandemic, and they made a book out of it, right? So, because we have an online final this year, and you know it's online, so kids can go online and get whatever they want. So, one of my essay questions was, "Tell me your experience from the pandemic." Mm. I have never gotten better essays or writing or more revealing. I mean, the kids are just really open and. Uh, hearing or reading what they wrote and what they're experiencing through it. And it's, it's as uh, wide a variety as there are different kids in the class, but some of the things that they're suffering through and some of the things that they just, uh, they even said, like, like I told you, like the extra credit and kids will say, I know I'm not doing enough. I know I should be doing better. It's just really hard uh, being in my room and, you know, that self-discipline in high school, it's usually not there yet. It's mm -hmm. just not. And uh, they're going through a whole uh, wealth of emotions. Uh, they expressed it really well. And some people who don't work with kids don't really understand uh, how hard it is right now, uh, that in-person thing and being with your friends and doing the activities. They are, they are suffering in a different way than we do as adults. I can't imagine what it would be like to go through this right now as a teenager. I, it's, it's been hard enough as someone in their thirties, uh, you know, in your twenties, however old you are, but the kids are somebody I think about often and high school age kids specifically because of the things you just mentioned. I mean, you're going through in general, this is a very fragile time of your life. And then you throw this in the mix. It, it's gotta be a challenge. And uh, man, I, I, I wish them all the best. Cause there's some, 
definite obstacles there. Uh, but at, at least, uh, you know, it, it being not being in the classroom with Mr. Horton, uh, you don't have to stand up when you're messing around or talking or whatever. Cause that's, cause how did you come up with that? Mr. Horton would, would randomly, if you were messing around, his big thing was stand up and you'd have to stand in class. And it doesn't seem like a big deal, but standing up during a class when everyone else is sitting, it's not only uncomfortable, but you feel awkward. Uh, that's gotta be why you did it. Right. Uh, I can't, I can't, I would love to claim that I had some great deep thinking behind it. It was one of those things like just stand up. I, I who knows? And it's kind of gone on from there. We, uh, we don't have, we have something called accelerated reader where all the kids are supposed to read for 30 minutes. Right. And, uh, for a lot of high school kids, 30 minutes in a room, reading a book, that's okay. Give me something more impossible, but uh, I will just walk around the room. And if some, you know, a lot of them aren't reading or, uh, they'll have to stand up. They hate it. You know, and I usually it's five or 10 minutes. I always try to do something it's, you know, I don't want to hurt the kid or anything, but I wanted something that they don't like, yeah, that they yeah. don't like. <laughs> of course, you always get, not the Matt Hurstman, but you know the kids I'm talking about, they they love standing up. Give me attention. Anything for attention, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, you got to think of something different for that one. But the standing up works for most. <laughs> that is true. It is a new <laughs> age out there. Unbelievable. AR reading. We started that. We started that. We started the uh, the school uniforms. That all started the same time. I think I was a junior, and we we hated all that stuff. I, it's the norm now. You try to have a good attitude, but we have to read for thirty you minutes. You did not try to have a good attitude. Well, <laughs> remember, I. You're supposed to be telling the truth. I mean, what kind of lie was oh, that? Oh boy, really stunk. I'm well, sure. Oh my goodness, you're reading for 30 minutes. I was like, if, if only. <laughs> it's almost like they sat in a room and they're like, "How can they make my school experience worse?" That that was what was going on there. We're like, we're cutting into practice time. We could be out, uh, you know, shooting hoops or uh, taking ground balls. We got to read for 30 minutes. You're killing me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Mr. Horton, one of your favorite things that you continue to do is you go on uh i think every summer trip right whether it's the boys or the right. girls yeah and you're i get you right now i do yeah I, I uh wasn't always but yeah i get to do both and uh i love traveling with the kids it's this why well, you know this is the first summer i don't know in how many years that i didn't go uh we had to call off the trips this year because mm. of the pandemic yeah and i've never been home in the summer uh, so it, it's just it was a real uh uh, the kids were supposed to be a girls Europe trip. It was a real letdown. It was hard for them, but man, I uh, felt a little lost because it's just been part of my life for a lot, a long time. I bet. I didn't think about that. The, the summer trip streak with, uh, with Carrie youth league and uh, real Hondo. That's, that's a, such an influential part of the program and development of everybody. And, you know, you mentioned Europe, Mr. Horton, we cannot talk about summer trips, <laughs> specifically Europe without the great wiffle ball, uh, European tour of 2001. Here we are. Uh, when I was a, gonna be a junior, we got all this history, these great, great cathedrals and churches and just all these wonderful landmarks throughout Europe. And uh, we happened to find this like cricket stick or whatever it was in yeah. field hockey. Yeah. It was the perfect wiffle ball bat. And we played almost every day. It was, uh, you know, it, we had to play wiffle ball almost every day of that Europe trip. You guys were an amazing group. I Okay, Matt, I, I, here's a distinct memory. I remember, you're right. We're in the bus. We're driving through some amazing European city. <laughs> and the only thing out of Matt, you heard some of his lips is, ball field. Ball, <laughs> yeah, and whenever you saw something that looked like a place we could play. And then I remember, let's just say other people in the bus like, 
Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my my favorite the favorite memory for that trip was Venice. And we found this little court with really high fences, which was, I think we called it, you know, Boston or whatever, right? We're out there. But my favorite thing was we were there three days and these kids would come watch you guys play, right? Uh, it, and it was, I got to be pitchers, so I, I loved it. And the kids would come out every day. So the third day we had fan appreciation day. Yeah. And we let the kids come out and play. And it was like one of the funnest, one of my greatest memories. And I remember one kid, they couldn't speak English. One kid's vocabulary was from happy days and he could, he could say everything that Fonzie said. He saw enough episodes. <laughs> uh, and that was about it. But those kids had so much fun out there. And uh, those games were intense. I oh. mean, once again, those games were, uh, we were out there for a long time. Oh, yeah. And, it's and funny, you think, yeah, Venice is across, the, you know, we're there at Venice. It's across the way, all this history. And we're in this thing playing hours of wiffle ball. I don't know if your parents would have been really excited about that. <laughs> Probably not. But, uh, yeah, you guys loved it. One of my only career home runs, Venice, Italy. Little fun fact. <laughs> One opposite field over the short porch, uh, you know. And uh, delivered. So Venice, yeah, we're like, ah, we've seen enough of this water city. Let's go play some more ball. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the guy's sliding and diving. And that bat, we lost. Actually, some of the upperclassmen, the, the older guy, they tried to they tried to steal it from us multiple times because they were tired of us playing wiffle ball. Right, right. <laughs> but, yeah, that, it, was that was a, it was a cricket. I think it was a cricket stick. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, ball, ballpark, ball field. I did do that. Quite, quite often but but what is it for you that makes summer trips so special you went on plenty as a, as a kid and in, in college but now in your in your roles uh when you were a director of the high school now as the pastor and head of rhla what is it that makes summer trips special and so unique to real hondo prep i think uh probably number one thing is uh kids get away from all the junk that they're in uh, for five weeks, right? Because there's so many things to get their attention. Mm. And it's a different world. It's just totally different than the world that they live in. Uh, the uh, one thing, it's funny because uh, it takes about two weeks to get them detoxed off of their phones because we don't allow phones on the trips, right? And uh, after about two weeks, I remember driving to a campground. I can't remember, I think in Pennsylvania, and the bus door opens. This is a high school trip. And the guys just go out. We open the bins. They're out there playing wiffle ball. They've got, they're playing catch. They got footballs. I remember a guy coming up, a camper coming up and say, what group is this? He goes, this is totally old school. I haven't seen this in years. <laughs> well, because they don't have any electric, electronic devices, right? And they're having a great time. And then the other thing is you're in the bus and people are actually talking to each other. I mean, nowadays you go to games, right? Kids got their phones, they're on their phones. Yeah. Uh, you go out after school, they're out there in the patio, they're on their phones. But now you don't have them, so kids actually talk. It's a really exciting experience. Uh, the other thing I love about it is, you know, you have sports, it's a team thing. Well, when you travel together, you become like a team. Mm. And it's a group all together. And it's funny, if I went on a trip with you or somebody, we're part of an experience and it never ends. There's a an automatic connection that uh, just is for life, it seems. And then um, I get to do the devotions every morning, being able to give God's word, uh, go through a book. Uh, some kids never experienced that. They've never had anything like that. Uh, they may never have it again, but just as a group, uh, all on the same page, all in the same place, uh, getting away from all the distractions, letting God deal with their lives. 
and have a little bit of time and communicating with him. Um, it's just a great experience. The other thing is I love watching kids uh, see things a lot of times for the first time, or they've never experienced anything like Europe or going through Washington, D.C., and just watching them light up and like, because they've seen pictures, but they actually get to experience it. It's just being there and watching that. It's just, uh, it's very inspiring. I think your faith definitely grows on those trips because instead of it being a once a week thing with like club meetings, you're getting a, a devotional every day, every single day you're going through. I remember the book of Acts, right? We went through uh, one <laughs> one trip and just like, it, it's just a moment every day. It kind of teaches you to be better with your devotions, with uh, with your faith and just at least thinking or reflect, reflecting and praying uh, more and all those things. And so it also teaches responsibility. Uh, I'm sure it's fun for you to see 15, 16 year olds uh, have to show up on time, have to roll up sleeping bags and not lose stuff. You know, uh, I still joke with uh, Fred Monteblanco that, you know, the lost and found was renamed uh, the Fred and found or, you know, <laughs> just, uh, all those little things being fined for, for showing up late. And, and I'll tell you, when I was a high school kid, it was fun. And then you become a college kid and you become a coach or a leader, it's a very different role and a very different outlook when you're worried about the kids and everything. And I'm sure they all are like, well, well how do you tell time? We're used to looking at time on our phones. Like, how, do, how can I be on time, right? Stuff like that. Oh, man. I, I, one of my favorite things is, especially with the boys, is watching them wash their own clothes the first time, right? <laughs> Mr. Horn, why is, that, why is everything pink? Yeah, well, you kind of messed that one up, big guy, you know? Uh, <laughs> doing all those little jobs they take for granted, or, you know, you, you end up uh, five weeks sleeping on floors, right? And all of a sudden your bed and your house and what your parents do for you, you suddenly realize, wow, you know, I've been kind of taking this for granted all these years. So the, uh, and you're really a good point about, it's a different view when you become one of the uh, chaperones or mm -hmm. someone on the trip. Um, to be honest, you know, every time we go on a trip, I have butterflies, I'm nervous. Yeah. Um, I look at those parents as we drive out in the bus, whether it's a Europe trip or U.S., and those parents look at me like, you're bringing my kid back, right? And I take that, that is um, a huge responsibility. I take it really seriously, and I, I respect their faith that they're sending their kids with these teachers, because that's their most precious resource. And we take that pretty seriously. Uh, if the trip wasn't worthwhile, there's no way I'd take that one on. I mean, oh, it's yeah. just way too much, too much. Well, I mean, leaving your family every summer. I mean, you know, I, I remember seeing that in the, in our leaders, like, Hey, these guys are leaving their families every summer to be with us and help develop us as, as young men. So that was something that always uh, stuck out for me, but uh, you know, uh, there's kids out there who had never eaten a green vegetable uh, before. And, and then you, you got to have one every meal, one green vegetable. And, and you know, what's funny is I remember your son, Ryan, when he was, I was a chaperone on a trip. He was the hardest one of the hardest guys that, Hey, Ryan, you got to have a green vegetable, man. Everyone's got to do it. Come on. Eddie. <laughs> I was yeah, like, we're like those parents, you know, he just ate Cheerios at home. We sent him on the trip and said, you deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, Mr. Horton never made you. Eat. Anyway, that was so funny. Uh, but yeah, the green vegetables, uh, summer trips are, are really wonderful. And one of the things that kind of, I've been out of the loop a little bit, but tell me about the relationship with the uh, first Mount Zion. And uh, there, I think, is it still Dr. Luke Torian is Dr. still? Torian, yeah. We've, uh, I've talked to him, um, I think, three or four times here since this whole pandemic thing started. I was supposed to go out there and speak 
And then the pandemic hit and we had to call it off. Um, but he always comes out every year, uh, speaks at youth church. Then he also coaches. He's on the field, right? He loves the real, he, um, he was part of athletes in action and in his younger days, he's very much in the sports. And so he loves the whole concept of care and the whole Rio Hondo prep idea. Um, our, our relationship is very strong. Um, I, he is a very good friend of mine. He's somebody I bounce things off of and his family, our families are very much connected. And that has been over so many years uh, from a long, some seventies, early seventies uh, with that church, not with him and I, cause we were, you know, we were in high school back then, but he, uh, I think it's a really important connection because uh, being an African-American church, their style is very different. Uh, what they do is very different, but it is just as meaningful, if not more. And their sincerity, once again, it's that sincerity. They are truly godly people and they have so much love for our group and they go out of their way so much when our kids come and visit. Um, it's a great relationship. I, it's something that's really important for us to continue and uh, for it, it was it was established before I started, and uh, I'm going to make sure that it continues after uh, I'm gone. It's it's incredibly special, and and it's something that would be kind of it's it's weird to explain to people. Like, okay, there's this organization in Southern California, and then there's this huge church in uh, is Virginia. Yeah, uh, Three, Dumfries, Virginia. Dumfries, that's right. Three thousand miles apart, and. Uh, very, very, like you said, very different uh, churches and, and organizations, but this, the, the connection and the ultimate goal is, is the same. And, and I got to tell you, Mr. Horton, I played uh, my, my trumpet in front of some crowds. I was never more <laughs> terrified than when it was me and Bill Ritter playing our trumpets in front of first Mount Zion church. I mean, there were thousands of people there, it felt like, and I was just like, they have this amazing music already. And then me and Bill get up there and we're like, uh, what do we? I was so terrified. Thank goodness it's over. <laughs> <laughs> awesome church. Awesome church. Very oh, fun. It is an awesome church. They, uh, yeah, we sing now before every devotions on these trips, Matt, we have a trip song, right? Okay. I don't think we did that with you guys. We didn't do that with you, right? No, it started no. after you. So now we sing the song. So Tina Coates, Tina, someone who's, uh, Tina, I stayed with. We there. stayed she with hears, her. Oh, okay. So you know Tina. We Tina, love her. She's the best. You gotta love Tina. So we're in there doing our devotions, and it's funny. The some of the people from the church just are in our devotions, which is fine with me. So she hears the sing. She goes, "Oh, you guys gotta perform." I'm going, Tina. There's no <laughs> way these guys are singing at your church. Your music is like. She goes, "No, no, they have to perform." So somewhat behind my back, uh, Tina goes and talks to the pastor talks to some of the other people because she's tina yeah and yeah, yeah now we're singing we're our guys are up there singing this and they're not a choir oh man <laughs> okay right and i'm sitting in the audience they actually for them they did really well uh, at the end you know the people there are so receptive staying ovation they love it they're just so gracious and our guys you know you perform from a group that big and they respond that way uh-huh so uh yeah they've always been that way they've so gracious to us Oh man! And uh, yeah, their music—they've—they've they've performed for us. Uh, they've had different groups come out every time they come out. The last time they came out, the men's choir came, and uh, people were dancing. Our our people at U Church, who you know, we're very, we're very serious. Okay, we're very serious. Uh, they're dancing while they're singing, right? 
<laughs> and when it was all over, uh, Dr. Torian comes up. He's just, a, he goes, Pastor, I'm, I just, I am so sorry. I go, I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> but once again, um, you know, they, they, they sing and they have so much life in their service, but he's so respectful of our service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's just the kind of man he is. Um, once again, he sees things. He's gracious. Uh, he's an amazing, what he does, he serves in the legislature. He's, he runs the budget of Virginia pretty much. Wow. And as a senior pastor. So yeah, you list my titles. I'm like, yeah, co- compare me to Dr. Torian. <laughs> yeah, I'm a real slacker. Okay. <laughs> So I uh, really appreciate that, man. He is a gifted individual. How did that relationship uh, start? I know Mr. Hampton, who was the founder of Care Youth League, um, and Reverend Gaskins, I believe was his right. name, right? Did, right. What, did the, how did that all happen? Did the, the connection? Well, it was early 70s, I think 72 maybe. Uh, we go to church every Sunday on the trips. We'll find a church to visit. And it was a girl's trip. And it was, at the, it was there were uh, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of civil unrest those years, right? Um, There's a lot of things going on. So they called and arranged the church to go to because you just had the phone book. You didn't have, you know, internet. <laughs> so they call this church, a Baptist church. We're going to go to the Baptist church. Bus pulls in. Uh, they look and it's, uh, it's an African-American church, black church, really small church. And all of a sudden they're going, what should we do? And Reverend Gaskins walks out the door, goes up the bus and says, welcome. We are so glad to have you. So these white girls <laughs> walk into the church and they are so welcome and they are so blessed by these godly people. Mm-hmm. And then we had Reverend Gaskins come out here and be part of our service and they had a choir come out and we were, I'm just saying, it almost seems like a one-way relationship because we're terribly blessed, right? Mm-hmm. I keep saying, you no, know, they keep sending people out to sing for us. We keep going to their place and eat all their food and stay in their facilities and they keep coming given to us and we keep getting, you know, I don't know if it seems like a one-way relationship. I don't know, but we have been so blessed by that. And uh, I, I love that we got to stay in the homes. Uh, we can't do it anymore. There's too much liability, but when you could, like you stayed at Tina's house, right? Yeah. It is just an experience that uh, it's a great lifetime experience. Uh-huh. And a lot of people had that privilege. So they were yeah, so good to us. They, they, they overfed us. They gave you know video right. video games, all kinds of stuff. It was like a break <laughs> from the the campground life for a little while. And Tina, coach, right. yeah, it's been a long time, but I remember her like it was yesterday. And uh, we may have even been the college kids at the time, but oh, great times! A special relationship, First Mount Zion Church and uh, Rio Hondo Prep uh, Care Youth League. Um, kind of staying on the pastor discussion, Mister Horton. Um, you were someone that was following in the footsteps of Francis Ostegard, who was the senior pastor at, at Care Youth Church for so long. Uh, you also got to work alongside him. Tell me, tell me what that was like in kind of working with him and then following in the footsteps of one of the, the godliest uh, men that's ever walked the face of the earth. Oh, Mr. Ostegard was, he's an amazing mentor. I would say, I don't think I've ever met a more humble man. Mm and a more gracious man. Okay, once again, I'm the guy who went through and pretty much drove people nuts. And uh, so I'm under this man. And I just remember so many times I'm thinking, he should just take me over the coals. I mean, he should just let it all out. And he never did. Uh, Always so gracious. Um, He was, he taught me so much. And uh, I remember probably, I'm very strong willed, right? So he would say, Chris, it's time for you to take over. And I would say, no, 
No, it's not. <laughs> I kind of talked back, right? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. This went on for probably three or four years because he was pretty, you know, he was, he was very elderly and he'd yeah. given his life. Uh, he lived at care, basically. Um, and I remember finally he said, he goes, Chris, uh, September, I'm done. You're taking over. And I, I, and my argument was always, Mr. Oscar, look, you're, shouldn't we have the best pastor of youth church? I mean, who wants me in there? And I really felt that, like, even going in with the, uh, with the people, like, I'm going to walk up there and going to say, wow, great. We got, you know, we got, we got the bench guy. You know, we get, we're getting second best, Mr. Oscar. I mean, come on, right? I mean, this is how I felt. He just finally said, I'm not going up there. So if you want church to happen, well, you better. I mean, he just finally put his foot down, which for him didn't happen very often. No. And I pushed him as far as I could push him, right? <laughs> I really did. And uh, I, uh, it's funny, even uh, we used to have meetings together on doctrine or, um, and I disagreed with him a lot. Uh, we would have some great discussions, but once again, he would always listen and I would watch him meet with people. I had my office next door to him. And he would listen. And if I have one, boy, if I have one weakness, unfortunately, I don't have just one. But if I have one <laughs> real weakness, it's I'm so quick to answer. And uh, I don't listen very well. Um, I People talk to me and I'll kind of break in and go, look, just do this, this, and this next, right? That's kind of my operation, right? Yeah. Uh, he would just listen. And uh, watching him, that was probably the greatest lesson I learned was you know, to really hear what people are saying and to be patient and to give them a chance to say it without having all the answers up front. Because a lot of times I was giving answers that really didn't answer the real question because I didn't listen long enough. Uh, there was great wisdom in that. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, Abraham Lincoln, I, I remember the Abraham Lincoln quote, which was, you know, uh, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. Well, <laughs> I removed all doubt a lot of times. <laughs> So, hey, uh, Mr. Ossegard, um, I'm still working on it. Mm -hmm. But when yeah. I think of him, I think of this, him in the office, sitting where I am now, and just that patience and that love and um, great man. Uh, uh, no way I can follow in his footsteps. Let's just mm -hmm. be honest about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I look at it and I go, you know, I'm doing the best I can. Uh, but no way you can follow a man like that. Oh, yeah. Well, very well said. And, you know, he just, I remember... Yeah, plenty of times in church, but I remember it would be a hundred degrees and, and you'd see Mr. Ostergaard walk down from his home and on his way to his office, he would bend over and pick up 10 pieces of paper. It seemed like on his way. <laughs> and I'm like, he's, he's in his eighties. He's, you know, he's, and it just, I remember seeing that and he'd, he'd limp his way and it would take him a long time to get to his office. And I'm like, man, that is not only one of the godliest men I've ever seen uh, or, or, or known, but he's, He's always trying to help and, and just work. He was a worker too. I mean, uh, I right. remember helping him construct a shed one time and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And he was sweating and I'm just like, oh man, he was, he was a special person. And, uh, you know, uh, following in his footsteps, I I'm sure, like you said, you had some ideas about the church now, maybe that, that he wouldn't have thought of or, or didn't. And, and one of the things that's different about youth church, at least what I remember is you have a different speaker uh, every, every week. It seems, I know that when you took over, you started to speak more often as far as the message goes. But to me, that was something that was always unique about youth church was that you heard from different people. 
And, and is that something that is still going on? And, and is that kind of just a good format to, that Carrie Church believes in? Wow, another great question, man. Yeah, so we used to have like a different speaker every week, pretty much. And uh, so when I went to seminary, right, uh, which Mr. Oscar required that I do, uh, you know, as a church, you want to go through a message or a book, you want your people to follow uh, somewhat of a disciplined teaching. And I remember this is one of our discussions, I'd be out there at church, and we'd have one of our leaders speaking, and they wouldn't even use a Bible verse. I'm like, Wait a minute. I mean, this yeah. is, you know, my training is you, you, you teach the Bible, right? And that's what the focus is. And so some of them, not their fault, they weren't trained at all to give a sermon or to do that. Um, so, yeah, we adjusted it. Uh, we do still have guest speakers. We try to mix it up because I'm very well aware of the fact that not everyone follows my line of thinking or the way I teach. So I try to have different people. Like uh, last Sunday, we had Mr. Rod Heaton, right? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. Some people loved it. Uh, just like always, they relate with his style and uh, where they don't necessarily relate with mine, which I totally get as a teacher, right? So I do have uh, different speakers, but we also try to find a follow a, a disciplined, like I'll teach through the book. Right now I'm in the book of Job, which fits really well during the suffering um but you know but mr heaton's going rod's going through like uh five sermons on the attributes of god oh so it's a little more disciplined than it used to be uh, we still have guest speakers but not as much well and uh so that's a little different i, I gotta be honest i think i think there are other people that way you know you open that program when you get into church and you look who the speaker is and you're like oh, oh yeah oh no or right. oh yes good uh this will be quick and to the point you know <laughs> That's right. No, you're right. It's just, that's, that's, if we're honest, I mean, that's how it is. I mean, it's, it, there's different, but I always like the different styles and hearing from different people, different ages, uh, all kinds of different things. Uh, so I think that that is beneficial, but it, it was odd that I, I remember growing like, how come the pastor of the church never, never really speaks as often. So I sure you, you do quite a bit of speaking now. I do. And once again, back to Mr. Oscar, Mr. Oscar never really felt comfortable speaking. He didn't, mm -hmm. even though he, Man, he was theologically, he yeah. was very well read. He was a good speaker. He was fine. He just never felt comfortable with it. Plus, he was doing a lot of other jobs as care, you know, and what he was running. And so even Mr. Hampton, when he switched over, Mr. Hampton was like in charge of care. So he had other people speak because that speaking takes a lot of time out of your week. I mean, it really does. Uh, you spend quite a few hours preparing. So um, usually what I do, man, I have a system. I'll do a book on the trip. And then I'll take that book and do a series of messages through church. I get, you know, mm. double for my investment, right? There you go. Because uh, the time, there are time limits to how much you can do. Yeah. And so that's part of it. Um, if you could tell me what it's been like as a pastor in the year 2020 with all of the crazy things that have happened. Uh, have you been more busy than you normally are in talking to people behind the scenes and being there for other people? Uh, the you can't, I'm glad the year's over, but unfortunately there is, there's been some carryover to 2021. Not much has changed uh, the, the past year or so, what it's been like as a pastor. Wow. Okay. It's, it's been hard. Uh, it's, it's hard for me because it's hard for my, the people that God has put me um, as their pastor, right? As their shepherd. And there's a lot of suffering going on, whether it's young people or older people with jobs or people, um, getting the virus, um, 
people worried about getting it. There's a lot of anxiety there. So yeah, I am busier with a meeting with people of all different agents. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and just like all times of testing or difficulty, there is also an opportunity to grow closer to Christ and to learn to trust him and to have your faith grow. So one of my things as a pastor is uh, the people, my people have to be fed. We have to have church. Yeah. I appreciate a lot of the pastors who, you know, hold tight to it. So even those times we had to close everything down, uh, we did an online service. Mention Robert Bray again. We were already set for that. He yeah. had us ready for it. Um, Casey Clevenger also and uh, Steve Martin. We have some really talented people. Uh, the first week we had to go online. It was set and we were we were ready. I hated it. You, you, you go out there and you have an empty uh, church and you're speaking to a camera. That is not church. Yeah. And uh, so then we got that we could have so many people there. Uh, that was better, but that was not church. Uh, so finally, we're meeting outside of Stivers now. Um, we're outside. People bring their own chairs. Uh, Matt, we're not wearing ties, which is somewhat a blasphemy in you, church. But uh, people just come as they are. They bring their lawn chairs. There's enough room to spread out out there. Um, that's church. The, yeah. the body of Christ is together. We still have probably about 100 or more people online uh, who still are and once again, it fits. So people who are really sensitive to it or have to be very careful, uh, they can watch online. People who want to come can come. Um, I look forward to the day that everyone gets to come back. I look forward to the day when we can sing without masks on. Mm. Um, I think everyone does, but I still get to see after church. You know how at you church people gather, uh, they talk, they share. It's, it's a community. It's the body of Christ. To me, that's what church is. And so uh, it's still there. We're supporting each other. Uh, that's really important. Um, not my favorite year. I'll just say it. Yeah. Not, not my favorite. I mean, we had those years we met at First Avenue. Those were challenging. Or the Nazarene Church in Temple City when we were building Stivers. Mm -hmm. uh, those were challenging, but nothing like this year. This year has been uh, very unsettling. Uh, everything always different, always adjusting, but trying to make sure that I'm doing for uh, God's people what God expects me to do. Yeah, I think if it were easy, you know, more people would, <laughs> that was a phrase that's always stuck with me. If it were easy, everyone would do it type of thing. And, you know, if, if I know you at all, Mr. Horton, kind of the guy who always looks at the bright side of things, you know, singing with masks on, that just means you have to sing a little louder, right? I mean, that's, I, I can imagine you saying that. Well, I would say this, seeing with a mask on means people can't hear me singing. That yeah. might be one big advantage, right? Uh, yeah, the people aren't necessarily singing louder. I can hear them out there, though. They are singing. Oh. But it is kind of hard singing with a mask. And, uh, you know, we the one blessing we've had is now in you church, we have three different groups that perform. Um, where it used to, remember you used to be up there directing, the one guy who has no rhythm and who can't sing. <laughs> is leading the singing i go i go this is like an abomination <laughs> and i was like after people come in and please take this over and now we have three groups of very talented groups that uh leading the song so uh that's one positive thing uh this year uh these people have stepped up and uh our music has been pretty pretty exceptional really has improved this year Awesome stuff. Uh, yeah, all the best moving forward with uh, Care Youth League and, and Rio Hondo. I mean, I think you guys did a great job with the graduation ceremony last year for the for the high school kids. 
you guys have found a way to do things. And unfortunately, Care Youth League and Rio Hondo, it's, it's so based around physical activity and togetherness and sports. And to not have that has just got to be man, uh, what, what are we supposed to do? So what, what, are, what do you foresee with the future of Care Youth League? The, the future is now, as they say, uh, you right. know, as far as hopefully things open up here soon, but I'm not holding my breath in the state of California. Uh, but I mean, what are your hopes for kind of the future of care in Rio here soon? I think uh, one, okay, uh, the positive, the positive is, and I got this from the essays with my kids uh, in high school. Across the board, every one of them said this. When uh, I guess Mr. Mark Carson made the announcement at the very beginning of the pandemic that we were not, we we're going to have two weeks off that we wouldn't be able to come to in-person school. There was this cheer. They all talk about. It. There was this cheer that went up. Yeah, because you know the Rio Hondo schedule, non-ending. You're playing, studying. You never have a break. You look forward to have time off, right? And they said that was the best day of our life for two weeks. And now suddenly they realize, even the high school that. Wow, they missed the activities. Uh, they missed going. Uh, they took it for granted, right? I think even for care, a lot of parents are out there in rooms stuck with their kids, mm. realizing how important um, those activities are, going out, playing with other children, uh, playing sports, having a coach, having a team. Uh, I think uh, when things get back, I think there's gonna be a big influx of uh, new members, an influx of new members. And people who are, I think we have a real advantage of bringing people in and offering the care program to them. That's going to happen. And the one real blessing about it is we'll be ready for it. The coaches mm -hmm. are all ready. The fields are ready. Uh, we've managed to stay, uh, that we can still run care and keep the program going when it comes back. So we're ready. And uh, I think there's, there's a real, there's obviously a need. And I think people are maybe more aware of the needs. So I'm looking forward to a wave of uh, new yeah. care members. Oh, and that's a good way in. to that's look at it. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. There's, there'll be a hunger and a thirst for this. And it's like, Hey, we got the perfect program for you. Right. Uh, recruit, yeah, yeah, recruiting. That's a, that'll be awesome stuff. Uh, well, Mr. Horde, we, we've, we've covered a lot. Uh, you know, what we did talk about you and I used to bash heads about this. You gave me a hard time about rooting for my, my Rams, my, uh, even though they were oh. in St. Louis, they were still my LA Rams. And you always said, well, they left, uh, they left me. I, I'm not rooting for them anymore. So now that they're back, I mean, had your mindset changed at all on the Rams football? You really team? want to bring this up at the end, Matt? How I, you want to end I, on I this? had okay, to save Matt, it. Fine. Let's, Let's go. Let's do it. All right. And the words of Thomas Paine as your U.S. <laughs> lit teacher, and I'm sure you could quote it, but I'm not going to make you do it. Uh, these are the times that try men's souls, the summer soldier and the sunshine patriot, right? So I'm no summer soldier. And I'm no sunshine patriot. I'm no fair weather fan. So I gave my heart to the Rams when they were in LA the first time. And I went, when we went to that Super Bowl, I had my Ram banner. I had my Ram beanie, even though it was like nine degrees outside. I was all Rams. And then what happened, Matt? What happened? They weren't faithful. They, they were weren't, they left. <laughs> they went to St. Louis. I mean, just run over me with a, a semi truck. Use me as a, a speed bump, right? So that was it, you know, with, with me, if you're faithful, I mean, faithful's huge, right? And uh, I know as a pastor, I should have grace. And I know as a pastor, I should forgive. And I am trying my best. And uh, after their last debacle, 
Uh, it's going to take me longer to forgive them. Uh, you know, I was kind of warming up to them with that great defense. And then when Aaron Rodgers just shredded them, uh, you know, um, I used to just go on and root against the Raiders and the Rams. That was my favorite activity. I remember. And I, that's probably, that's not very pastor-esque, is it? No, not very pastor-esque. No, it's not. <laughs> I am trying, Matt. I'm trying. Uh, I'm, I'm getting better at it. So I'm assuming you're a Rams fan. I, I sure am. I still am. Uh, when I heard the news of them returning, I felt I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing, that they were coming back to L.A. And, of course, they were terrible, but they were home. And then – the past, well, that's that Super Bowl run. I was like, you should have seen me. I was a lunatic, Mr. Horton. Oh, I, man. Absolute lunatic. <laughs> see, right there. See, you're a better man than I am. I've got, I've, I've just got to be better. You know, I've got to have more forgiveness. Forgive and forget, I guess, or forgive and never, never <laughs> forgive and never re- remember. I don't know what the term is. But yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. Try. I'll try, Matt. I'm going to uh, try. You know, hey. It, they, I know they ripped your heart out and, uh, and and then never said sorry. Right. That's uh, anyway, nope, well, nope. they're back. They're back. And uh, <laughs> we'll close it up there. Mr. Horton, it's been an absolute privilege. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day of running care youth league and teaching classes and all, you know, probably preparing a sermon uh, also all at the same time, you know, and they're sitting down with me for an hour and a half has been wonderful. Oh, I would sit down with you anytime, Matt. The only reason I agreed to do this is because I get to talk to you. So I would have enjoyed it more if I got to ask you more questions. But, you know, I got to respect the guy in charge. And you've asked me plenty of questions over the years. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I think you asked me this one time or told me you were going to do it. You got to do a sermon sometime, a message about um, something. I just off the top of my head, but something about like living the life of, a, of an official, like, trying to use your best judgment, you know, uh, doing things that are unpopular when you do mess up, people are mad. I mean, I think there's, I think there's a message somewhere. Oh, there'd there. be a lot of great, I tell you what, Matt, we'll just make this, uh, I don't know, this will make it on the program. This might get edited out, but <laughs> you cut, you give me a date where you're going to be there in person. I will put that message together. How's that? Okay. Hey, hey, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad the care church is opening up. Yeah. It's been a while since I've uh, you know, been there for, for a youth church service. That would be, that would be the wonderful. The thing is that you're going to have to be my visual aid. You're going to have to come out with your gear and whistle and stand there with me while I give the message. And you'll have certain times you blow the whistle and throw the flag will be part of it. It'd be one of those uh, unforgettable sermons. I, absolutely. I, Hey, I'm all in. This sounds, this sounds great. If we can, uh, if we can reach out to right, at least one person, if one, if it impacts one person, right. That's uh, it's been awesome. Oh, it'd be fun. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun. I know how you love to throw that flag. Ah, well, I mean, come on. No, that stops them. I don't know. Oh, throw that flag. Oh, boy. Which is funny, Mr. Horton. I mean, you know, all this football talk, how much I love football. My good friend Todd Carson, he always joked with me because I was never a baseball guy. You know that. And then probably the sport I ended up doing the most and, (laughs) you know, reaching the highest (laughs) level ended up being baseball of all things. So, God works in uh, mysterious ways, you know? <laughs> oh, he does, doesn't he? Oh, he does. Never what you expect. Or, no. you know, in my life, like you found out, I kind of fought God on so many things, but he mm-hmm. knows what's best. Oh. And, uh, oh, yeah, I'm, it's funny. The thing I fought him the hardest on is like, if you already brought out is the thing I love the most. So mm-hmm. uh, if there's any wisdom I have, it's that I don't trust myself. <laughs> <laughs> that. That's a, that's a good uh, method to live by. Oh, man, great stuff. Mr. Horton, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Matt. I loved being with you today, and thanks for inviting me.
An absolute blessing to have Mr. Chris Horton on the program. Thank you, sir, for all of uh, your kind words and and also so much that you have done for not just me over the years, but uh, for so many different uh, young men and women. Uh, You are a class act, and I really appreciate um, just you taking the time out of your day to come on the program. Uh, You brought a a great amount of energy and enthusiasm, and, and man, it was great sharing some laughs with you talking about wiffle ball in Europe. Uh, the summer trips, uh, the Care Youth League ministry, uh, just growing up, Rondo Prep football, trying to teach me how to how to play baseball. I mean, so many great topics, and, and what a fun conversation that was, uh, Mr. Chris Horton. Appreciate you coming on. I hope to talk to you again very very soon. Well, guys, that will wrap up today's episode on the Get Home Safe podcast. And you know what? That's the final episode of uh, January. We'll be back on Monday to start a new month and uh, should be some fun in talking with my brother, Sam Hersema, I hope, finally recording with him once again. We have a few segments that we're going to get to. The Suds with Studs will be there as well as a new segment talking about uh, maybe ejecting people from from, uh, the game of life for a day, just, you know, just briefly, if people overstep the line step over the line whatever the case may be we're gonna we're gonna call them out for it so that's kind of uh what we're thinking about right now but you know i'm I'm a man of the people we uh we will work around any issues we have or you know any obstacles or or change things up you guys know that you've you you who have been here since the beginning on the podcast know that things change and hopefully for the better as uh, we move forward here on the get home safe podcast uh we'll have three more shows next week i already told you about monday wednesday will of course be bill barnes my weekly uh, interview with him uh, the retired police officer bringing his a game and uh, bringing his strong opinions friday we got another mystery guest that i'll tell you guys all about probably wednesday after recording with bill and uh so stay tuned for that i like to keep you guys on the edge of your seats got a lot of great feedback for chris horton coming on the program today so uh yeah, like I'm liking keeping it kind of a mystery and give you guys something to look forward to either at the end of the Wednesday episode with Bill Barnes or on our social media platforms and seeing on Thursday who the guests will be on Friday. Yeah, I like to keep the mystery alive here. So uh, for those of you who are new to the program, be sure to give us a like, give us a follow. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is gethomesafepodcast at yahoo.com. We would absolutely love to hear from you. So send us an email. It could be anything. Tell us you like this show. Tell us you hated this show. Give us uh, some topics to talk about. You want to ask us a question, uh, whether it be me, Bill Barnes, whoever. Get that information out to us, uh, whether it be social media or our email address. That's a great way to get a hold of us and just a good way for us to keep things together. You can send us in a voice message if you like. There's plenty of options for the fans, the listeners to interact with us here at the Get Home Safe podcast. So be uh, sure to uh, contact us if you should so desire. If you have anything you want Bill Barnes to hear, try to get those in by Sunday night. Uh, if you want to, you know, write him in or send a message or whatever, get those in by Sunday night. Cause I typically record with bill on uh, Monday mornings or Tuesday mornings, somewhere in there. So that way uh, we make sure that he hears from you just like you hear from us Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays here on the get home safe podcast. That's enough out of me. Chris Horton can't thank you enough for coming on the program. We're going to take a breather here, breather here guys for a couple days for the weekend, uh, get, get the round third and home safe for the weekend and just, uh, relax a little bit and come back strong on Monday with new topics, new conversations, start off a new month. Uh, this first month of 20, 
first month of 2021 is down and we got 11 more to go can't wait to uh, fight through it with you guys weekly here on the get home safe podcast guys enough out of me have a wonderful weekend and guys no matter what you're doing whether you're out on the town or around in third base get home safe <laughs>